Welcome to another episode of The Body Talk. Today I'm joined by Ryan, who is a content creator, and we're going to talk a bit about the body in relation to being mixed race and also in relation to being a model and being an actor. So Ryan, if you'd like to introduce introduce yourself to the listeners. What's up, listeners? My name is Ryan Alexander Holmes. I am an actor, content creator. I was a model, am a model. We'll talk about that later, but uh, I'm glad to be here and uh, glad to talk about um, what it is to be mixed and specifically what it is to be mixed into relationship with my own body. Yeah, now it's going to be an interesting conversation. So uh, getting straight into this, how has being mixed race shaped your relationship with your body? Trying to figure out where to start with that is sort of the hard part, but I guess you should, I could start when I was a kid, right? Mm. Um, and and I'm in America, right? I'm in Los Angeles, but I grew up in a neighborhood that was mostly white and mostly Asian, specifically Chinese, and there was no other black kids around. Uh, and you know how the world sees me and how I see myself have always been a uh, you know very different how society sees me and how I see myself I am my mother is Chinese uh, my father is African-American and the way that I look to a lot of other people is Dominican you know or Brazilian or like uh, Puerto Rican so there's that and that's sort of the beginning of my relationship to my own body when it comes to how society viewed me now, there is still my parents who constantly preach to me uh, that I am who I am, not who society deems me to be, right? So the physical features that I have may be telling society a story, but that doesn't mean that's who I am. I'm not who society deems me to be. And so that's been the battle pretty much my whole life. Right. And I think it's made me think in a lot of different ways to always question and dive way deeper than the surface and question everything. Because I do not believe, I, I believe in groupthink to a certain extent, but I, I'm not going to just believe it without my own further investigation or questioning other perspectives. Have you always felt like so that? So I think I answered your question. No, you, you didn't. I've always felt like <laughs> have I always felt like that? Um, no, I mean, look, the pendulum swings, right? The pendulum swings from one to the other. I think as a kid, even though I had my parents that had my back, like there is a lot of things like you just don't talk to your parents about as a kid. Um, get out of my room, mom. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like, I, and so there's a lot of, and there's a lot of battles that you're fighting that you don't even know you're fighting when you're a kid. And you don't know how to articulate it, right? So when I'm standing in front of the mirror, looking at my nose and my lips, which are, you know, not like everybody else's, I wanted them to be like everybody else's. And I wondered why they weren't. And I don't think that necessarily was me wanting to be white or even me wanting to look Asian. It was just like, uh, I wanna look like everybody else, you know? And then later I learned like, oh, this world at least the world that we live in. And I think, you know, in the UK, it's kind of the same. 
Eurocentric beauty standards are the default. And they perpetuate that and proliferate that everywhere. And and what you realize is they proliferate that and perpetuate that throughout the world. So we are over here looking at what we've been told is beautiful over and over and over again, and it doesn't look like us. We want to look like that because that's what has been deemed beautiful. But is that what's beautiful? Exactly. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think. You know, beauty is determined by what society thinks. You know what I mean? It has been. It has shaped what beauty means. But that's only if you buy into uh, the idea of how society formed that idea. So what was your question? <laughs> your question was, uh, had it, have I always thought like that? And the, and the answer is, you know, it's always been a vacillation between a, a number of, a number of things, right? Like, like I said earlier with, you know, the shape of my nose or my lips or my facial features, you know, or, or like that I, I don't have the monolid, you know, that like is a typical uh, uh, Asian physical feature. And like, oh, I wanted that because I wanted my people to accept me because they don't accept me because I don't look like them to them, even though I am Asian. This is this is something that's so funny to me that I didn't realize until, you know, recently. I'm just like, when people tell me that I don't look Chinese or I don't look Asian, that is not a reflection on, on whether or not I look Asian or not, or, you know what I mean? Like, because if I am Asian, yeah, if I am Asian, I look Asian. That's just what, that's just the, (laughs) it's just true. I don't know how, how else to put that. Like, if someone is something, they look like that. Maybe not to you in your stereotypical idea of what society has made you think and like what has monoracially been the norm but I'm Asian, therefore I look Asian. And, and the double standard is so real because, you know, people will, people will get mad or when I say, when they ask me what I am and I'm like, I'm Chinese and I just leave it there, right? And then, and then I call them out and I'm like, yo, you wouldn't be upset or you wouldn't be like, you know, feeling, you wouldn't be embarrassed if I said, you know, after they learned that I am black and Chinese. You wouldn't be feeling embarrassed if I just told you that I was black and left it there. So why are you so upset and embarrassed when I say that I'm Chinese? It's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on you. It really is. I think one thing like being mixed race myself as well, you become more open-minded. And like you said, it's a reflection on, on them. It's a reflection how how close-minded they are of what people should look like. Like uh-huh. you said, because you're Chinese, you look Chinese. Like that uh-huh. it doesn't make sense any other way. And the key word there is should, right? They, they, these people are literally telling you and I what Asian people should look like. What? <laughs> what? Who are you? Are you the creator of all beings? Who are you? How have you... I know I I came across your page because I'm mixed race and I love following mixed race content creators because it makes me feel like a little bit more heard in society. But 
I'm always curious because I'm still kind of like I do the thing where I look in the mirror and I'm like I don't look like this I don't look like that how did you get to that point where I mean I don't know if you're at that point yet but where you say that I I am I look Chinese because I am Chinese how did you get to that point um I think it was really truly accepting myself as an Asian and not relying on the validation of Asians to tell me that when I say it out loud it sounds like oh yeah of course that's e- that's it oh yeah just do that that's easy it's not easy at all it was it's really hard to do that it, and it takes a whole mind shift because you're going up against decades of conditioning decades decades of conditioning telling you and 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 when I say conditioning, I'm also talking about how the society not just looks at you, but treats you. I'm black. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and everyone treats black people a certain way. We're talking about America, right? They have stereotypes against black people. The way that we're portrayed in the media, it's getting better, obviously, but the way that we've been portrayed in the media, the way that people are are taught to think about us, the lack of black history in schools. And if it's there, it's taught from a white perspective. This this there's there's these tropes and these ideas that are inherent in all non-black communities that black people are criminals, that they're we're lazy, that we're dangerous, you know? And growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, as a Blasian kid, I definitely felt that from the Asian community because I lived in the Asian community and was very involved in it. And, you know, there's that side, right? There's the side that that chases you out of convenience stores and um, grocery stores. And then there's the side that looks at you like you're this this exotic object to be like stared at, right? So there's that too. Both are alienating experiences that make you feel like you're not a part of the community, you know? So so dealing with that throughout my formative years, but still being very involved in the Asian community through my family, and I was accepted through my family. Um and I and I and I honestly think getting to where I got, it took my family as well, not just me. My support system, uh, and especially on my Asian side and my and my black side, who just they both accept me just for who I am. Anything I could say, I am a lizard, and they would be like, <laughs> "Ryan's a lizard now, guys." You know, we're gonna get him some help because we don't really think he's a lizard, but we're gonna support him. That was probably a really bad example. Anyway, I probably get- a bad example. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. They're yeah. gonna support me. They're gonna. They're going to um um be there for me no matter what was the point of that horrible analogy um right and and so when you say what it takes it it takes it takes not just me i have to be grateful for my family for being for being there for me when because identity crisis sounds like a joke it's not but like it's it's a crisis <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> crisis is still a crisis. It sounds like a joke, but like that shit, man. That is, it, 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 it sort of influences every aspect of your life, right? Because mm-hmm. there's nothing because you're falling, and there's nothing you don't feel like there's anything to grab onto. You look at other people, and you're like, they have a community. 
why can I have that? Like, what would that be like? You know, and then also what I realized, the more that I embrace myself and who I am, I found community in the mixed community. And I also found community in uh, other Blasians that are out there because I never had uh, any other Blasians in my sphere. I didn't even know other Blasians existed outside of my me and my brother until I was in grad school. I didn't meet another Blasian until I was in grad school. So. Uh, once you do start embracing yourself, you go through your identity crisis, you realize like, oh, I'm not what everyone tells me I am. I am me. And then you and then you have to figure out who you are. Yeah, because the conditioning has told you who you think you should be. And then you embrace who you are. And then you and then you express that outwardly. Right. And then the commute you start to fe to feel uh, an awareness of the community that exists outside of you that totally you know, that gets you. So that's how I got there. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, that's, that's good advice though. I think because being mixed race, there's not many of us out there. We're still kind of a new generation, I think of mixed race people and it can be quite isolating, but trying to find a community, trying to find other people like you, maybe not the same, you know, of course, every mixed race person has their own experience. There's no point of just clumping us together and we all have the same experience because that's not true. But even just trying mm -hmm. to find that community is it's helpful, it's helpful. And then embracing it and it's complex. I think it's one of those things that unless you're mixed race, you probably won't understand it because it, it is an identity yeah. crisis, yeah. It's an identity um, crisis, yeah. Talking more about like the, talking more about the body. How are you at a point where you fully accept what you look like, or are you still on that path? I don't. I don't know if I ever fully accept what I look like, but I think I can fully accept who I am, and I think those are two different things because my body is always going to change. But who I am, I'm who I am. You know, who I am, you know, my, my, the way I see myself, you know, my, my self confidence and my self worth is something that is that transcends the physical. And I think being a in the modeling industry for like like a uh, decade pretty much taught me that because in the beginning I was so naive sort of, which developed into sort of this entitlement that I deserved things because of the way that I looked because people were paying me to be in ads you know as a model but that and and that sort of had it, it did, it did a number of things, right? Because now I'm reliant on what people think of me because of how I look, right? Now I need that validation in order for my self-worth, my idea of my self-worth to be uplifted in my own mind, right? And that's very dangerous mm -hmm. because you are not in control at all of what people think about you. And this is not how this is not all models different models have different ideas some models are like fuck you i'm just gonna you don't want me okay i'll go find someone who wants me i don't care i don't care i'm not ugly because you didn't choose me 
whatever. I'll go over here. I'll go over there. To me, I was it 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 you know, especially being young, made me feel like when I wasn't chosen. Also, the modeling industry is just they they need work. How old are you? They would line. When I first started, I was like seventeen. Okay. They would they would line us up like we were cattle, and they would examine us. You know, they'd come in and they examine us and be like, mm, no, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You actually, no, not you, uh, you, 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 and you, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. For coming. Like that's what they would do sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and it just imagine what that would feel like as a teenager for these adults to come in this room and then totally just judge you off of just your physical appearance right and another thing is diversity and inclusion right like these weren't people of color making these decisions these were never people of color making these decisions so then we're going into another a whole different world right of like (laughs) how do non-black people or non-people of color you know who those people are. Non-people of color make these decisions about about the POC that they want to involved in their ad campaign. And for what reasons? These are the questions I were not asking. I was not asking. I just fully bought into the system. And if they didn't like me, then I needed to change myself in order for them to like me. It wasn't I need to embrace myself more and figure out who I am. I wish it was that <laughs> I'm the, I'm here now, but it was, let me change myself to adhere to their ideas of beauty and what that means, right? And what I need to say and how I need to act in order to be accepted by them. But I didn't even understand that that's what I was doing. I was just like, I wanna be a successful model, right? And that's sort of like the, the path that if you're not careful, you can go down, you know? How did it's you, dangerous. How did you get off that path? I started making decisions um, and just making decisions on my own and started making decisions from my gut and my instinct, right? If this doesn't feel right, I don't want to do it. If this person makes me feel like who I am isn't, you know, and how I, how, what I am interested in, what I want to do, if they're making me feel bad about that, why would I want to be in that situation? You know, mm-hmm. it took years and years to just get to that point. It's like, I don't like the way that you're talking to me. I don't like how you don't accept me. I don't like how I have to change myself over and over and over again. And it never is enough. When you say change yourself, do you mean physically or emotionally or like everything i think it's everything i mean it's like you know do i cut my hair a certain way like i'm not get, i didn't get plastic surgery you know that's <laughs> that's another level that you know i never around to but change my hair change the way that i dress change the way that i speak change the things that i talk about you know to it and you should always you you always do that when you're going through different environments and stuff like that. You adapt to the environment, but like I'm not talking about adapting. I'm talking about erasure of self, mm-hmm. and that's that's much different. 
I mean, we see a lot of erasure and white spaces specifically. <laughs> so uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. it needs to change. We need to. I mean, I think we are. We are questioning it. We are talking about it. But it's still a long, long way to go. Um, so are you still are you still modeling now, or what are you what are you doing right now? Yeah, but I don't. I'm really focused on on um, acting and creating my own content because I just feel like it's and I do model my own on my own channel, but I'm not like putting resources, a lot of resources into that. And I think I, I think, you know, given this conversation, I'm like, oh, okay. The same way that I define myself on my channel and in the the you know the acting roles that i decide to audition for or decide to do i can do that same thing in the modeling industry um and maybe not the modeling industry but just modeling in general i can decide how i want to be shown i can find the photographer that i want to work with i can take pictures of myself in the way that i want to be portrayed right i can be in control and i think that's the next step in terms of because I've done that with acting, I've done that with content creation. But now having this conversation, I'm like, you know, I want to get back into it and show myself in the way that I want to be shown. Free of the conditioning that and free of honestly the the um the negative experience that I've had in the modeling industry. That doesn't have to define my I my my uh trajectory forward in modeling in general for myself for sure for sure no that sounds that sounds amazing i mean talking a little bit more about what you do right now so i found you on instagram i also saw you do tiktok what inspired you to start doing that uh pain and suffering <laughs> uh but seriously uh it just got to a point where i'm just like here's the thing Watching George Floyd be murdered by Derek Chauvin on HD definition uh, video, just plain as day, just for eight minutes, uh, nine minutes, I think it was like almost 10 minutes, mm -hmm. was, was, you know, what pushed me over. And then what pushed me even further was that a lot of uh, the people in the Asian community and Asian voices were anti-black from that watching that experience and i'm like if you can watch a black man get murdered and then when he was not doing anything and was already complying because he's on the ground he's not even moving he's just being ch literally choked to death by a knee and you can be anti-black about that there's a problem here mm -hmm. and i'm and me being part of both communities i'm just like i'm done I'm done being silent about this. Like, and so I started speaking about my experience being a black person who also happens to be Asian growing up in the Asian community and what that was like, right? Um, and so this is how it all started. That's how it all started. I mean, it, it, like it does upset me that it started from a place of suffering but at the same yeah. time, I'm very grateful for your content. It's helped me a lot. And I, I think it's helped a lot of people as well. Um, yeah, I just wish you didn't have to start from such a, such a painful- Well, I mean, I think, 
I think a lot of great art comes from suffering, you know, and it's, it's not the suffering. It's how you bounce back from the adversity of the suffering. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I really appreciate about your page because you take what could look like quite a negative picture and you make it into such a, a beautiful, funny, also like uplifting thing that people can yeah. enjoy and people educate themselves via your content, but not in a way that's really boring <laughs> in a way that's actually yeah. entertaining. Yeah. I appreciate that because for me, humor is always, especially in my family, especially with my father, uh, humor has always been a way to educate, to really get that because you're dealing with emotions, right? You're dealing with, for me, I was always, uh, and it makes sense that I'm an actor. I grew up in a very scholastic family. My brother went to Yale. Uh, my my mother went to UPenn. My dad went to Georgetown. I went to Berkeley for for that reason. <laughs> but but with the scholasticism comes a charisma uh, through humor that allowed me to learn in the way that I did, and and that is how I want to educate other people, and that is literally how I educate myself. Right, because if I sit in my room and I watch documentaries about police violence or like you know um, all, genocide of the Native Americans and, and lynchings of not just African Americans but also Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans, I'm not going to survive if I if I don't take that in and turn it into something that can be enjoyed uh, enjoyed. And then specifically in my case, through humor, right? And, and saying that out loud makes it almost seem like I'm doing it a disservice, but I find a way to, to educate uh, and uplift at the same time using humor. I'm not making fun of anybody. And if I do, it's, it's my oppressors and, and, um, and the people who are perpetrators. You know what I mean? I mean, that's completely fair enough. Okay, so I'm going to end this episode here. But before I do, I just want to ask one last question um, to anyone out there who's mixed race. What advice would you give to them in terms of accepting their body image and looking at themselves in the mirror and really seeing that they represent who they feel inside? First and foremost, I would say love yourself. Um, easier said than done, because to get to that level, which you know, I don't even think I'm there hundred percent and maybe I never will be, but the, 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 the point is the journey. Um, and the point is sort of the decolonization of your own mind and the deconditioning of your mind to think that you are not worthy or you do not have a community. You do have a community. You're a part of the communities that are uh, a part of your mixed heritage. You know, you are fully a part of all those communities and you need to constantly tell yourself and remind yourself that on a daily basis, on a minute by minute basis, if you have to, until you truly do believe it because it is the truth. And once you get to that place, that's when you can explore what has been denied to you your entire life in a way 
that is filled with love and not filled with bitterness from not being accepted because them not accepting you has nothing to do with you and everything to do with their own idea of who should be in this fictitious categorical box that they've placed, that their conditioning has placed themselves into and you out of. So love yourself. Good words, good words. Um, okay, well, Ryan, thank you so much for being part of this. I hope everyone's found it insightful. I know I found it insightful. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for being part of this and do go check out his content. I will put a link to all of your, to Instagram, to your TikTok in the description. So yeah, go, go show him some support. Thank you, Isabella. You are brilliant. Don't cut this out. She's brilliant. She's a genius. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Until then, hope everyone, until then, until the next episode, everyone have an amazing life. Enjoy life. And I will speak to you all next episode. Bye.